Hello and welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is your host, Joshua Blum. This is episode number 395, five away from episode 400. I think uh, a couple of things that we're going to do for 400 might be a couple of guests, maybe, uh, like, you know, a uh, a time when people can kind of stop by and say hello, maybe a a few appearances from people who've been on the show before, depending on who's available. Um, I think mostly kind of want to make it interactive. So been thinking about that over the past couple of weeks. It's still like over a month away, but the, the release date would be actually Easter Monday, interestingly enough, August, or not August, April 10th. So, but today we're actually going to be talking about something different. I kind of uh, talked about this a, li- a little bit last time. But I've been looking into uh, a Chinese company called AliExpress, and uh, there may be other places to get these little figures, but this is the, the, the cheapest place I've found so far to get these little unbranded uh, figures that are G.I. Joe style. And I have two varieties. So the one that I uh, was talking about last time is, is that I was using to make a articulated, like a, like a, a multi-articulated, multi-joint articulated G.I. Joe style figure. So it's, uh, let me see, it's the neck, it's the shoulders, it's the, uh, why, what would that be? It's the, it's the arms, like sort of, I guess it would be like sort of supinating and, ba- and, and, and going back and forth, you know, flipping um, from front to back, I guess, ventral to dorsal sides, I guess you could say. That's a point of articulation. There's elbow. There's uh, the rocketeer figure, I think. All right, that particular one. Do the wrists move? The wrists do not. Um, So let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, Seven? I guess seven points of articulation? I guess not counting, like, is it seven? Well, you have two, sh- well, I guess you could c- you count two shoulders. Two shoulders, yeah, so two shoulders, two elbows, that's four. Then also the the supination of the arm, so that's six. Uh, the hip, that's seven. Then it's the neck, that's eight. Then both hips, that's uh, 9, 10, and then 11, 12 would be the knee. So 12 points of articulation. All right, well, anyway, whatever. So 12 points of articulation with these figures. But I found another one. Um, and this, this, I couldn't actually tell from the pictures if they were exactly the same as the one that I had mentioned last week or not. They are different. Um, these ones are a lot more friendly, and they are more difficult to take apart. However, I still think I can use them. I think they are going to form a different figure just because of their makeup. So the one I talked about last week comes apart super easily. Three screws and you're done. Whole thing comes apart. This one does not. I don't know exactly how to best get this open. I think you got to crack open the chest and it involves probably breaking something. The chest piece, actually these figures are a little bit more brittle in terms of the plastic and I don't know how well that's going to hold up to uh, cracking it open. I think I could crack it and crack it once. I don't know if I get back together again, but I'm not sure if you need to. So it's uh, it's it's similar in how many points of articulation, but it's a lot looser. And I think it's supposed to be that way because these were figures that were designed to be, I think, riding on a motorcycle 
or in a car or something like that. And so they bounce around a lot. It's almost like they're held together with rubber bands. And if you look closely, they technically are. So the, if you look underneath in the groin area, there's a rubber band that connects the two legs together. I think there is another one that connects the top and the bottom half. So they not exactly have O-rings, but they have this stretchy, uh, basically rubber band type of uh, arrangement that uh, makes it hard for the legs to fully go apart, to, full, to fully sort of straddle. But that said, you can still take some parts of, uh, of it uh, apart. You can take the legs off basically by unscrewing a, a little screw right in this, like this small of the lower back. And uh, you can, in theory, take the legs apart as well, but they don't. The joints, basically, like the knees and elbows and stuff like that, are basically held in place by rivets. So there's no real getting those out uh, if you want to um, if you want to do anything with them. So that said, I was thinking about a character to make with these because I have quite a few of them, and I was thinking uh, I'm gonna look no further than the Hunter and the Shadow in the Moonlight, which is the prequel to the Thirteenth Hour. This particular figure, I just made a mini figure of, but I thought I would do another one of him because I always meant to, and it's it's one where the the character is very simple. I think it would be not too much work to make that out of that character out of these. So what I just actually did before I started recording this is I got out the airbrush, got a little black paint, dropped it in there, and then sprayed one of these figures that I have with black paint. I took it apart uh, as far as I could go easily. So it's, it's basically just the, the hip the hip and pelvic like assembly uh, with the legs from the upper body. Spray painted that black. I will add the other parts later. So the, the hunter character in Shadow in the Moonlight is an interesting one, I thought, because he wears a hood and he has a cape, but that's about it. He's otherwise all black or gray, and uh, he has a bow, arrows and stuff like that, but the fundamental nature of his costume his uniform, whatever you want to call it, his uh, his attire is very, very simple. He's meant to be a living apparition, basically. So I wanted him to be as um, almost like sort of nondescript as possible. So here's a little description of the book, Shadow in the Moonlight. And uh, it says, to guard against the cold, he donned the long billowing cloak that had been hanging near the door. It had a hood that completely covered his head, making him look even more like a living or a walking, breathing shadow. And it was cool and dry with a light breeze that rustled the cloak and made it flow out behind him, reminding him of a floating apparition. The moon shone brightly overhead, blanketing everything in a soft white glow, a perfect moon to accompany all that hunted by night. His eyes had no difficulty seeing through this inky blackness. After a few hours, he spied a familiar set of tracks. Curious, he followed them until standing not 50, farts away, 50 yards away, where there was a form of a large white buck that seemed to glow in ethereal silver in the moonlight. It must have been the same one. How many albino deer could there be in the forest? It turned its majestic back of, uh, rack of antlers to, at him, as if to say, So you found me once again. Well played, Hunter, but can you catch me? Challenge issued a turn and dashed in the darkness aimlessly. Hunter continued until the trail was cold. And then it goes and describes his bow. The bow was um, short, less than four feet long for easy maneuverability in the woods. Although he had others, he favored... This one for its ability to break into two, for ease of carrying, and its black leather covering, which did not reflect sunlight. So I have some bows that I can, um, accessories that went to things like G.I. Joe and uh, what was the other one? Competitor to Lego, what is that? Playmobil, yeah. 
Playmobil figures uh, had some accessories that I managed to find more of, and there's a there's a bow in there, and uh, so I got, ended up getting a bunch of those for the uh, 13th Hour figures, the five POA ones, but these um, these I think would fit as well. And the character is never really described fully in terms of what he wears, but I always envisioned him as wearing blackish style clothes, maybe not necessarily totally black, but at least partially just to uh, to be able to blend better into the uh, the environment that he would have been he would have been um, hunting in initially uh, pure black doesn't necessarily always do that so I was thinking that I was thinking I could easily kind of make that with the um, with these toys because basically just painting everything black maybe adding a few highlights here and there or a few uh, sort of doppled patterns and stuff like that so to break up the silhouette a little bit so all I would really need to do with this particular figure is, besides painting it, is adding a cape. So I'd want to have a cape that he can hold in both hands. And one thing that's neat about these particular figures is the, the shoulders are very flexible. So it could totally hold both hands out with a, um, with a cape that kind of billows out. On the cover of this book, it shows the hunter flying through the air, kind of looking like a, a human bat. And... The other thing that uh, kind of goes with is there's the hood, right? And so I drew it in the picture that you can't actually see into the hood. You can't actually see his face. The the parts about the eyes, being able to appreciate the darkness and stuff like that. I figured the eyes would be really big, uh, just sort of at least stylistically. Make the eyes big, and I would use probably like white or silver for that. Everything else would probably be black. In theory, it'd be a very uh, simple thing to make if you could cast it out of black resin. It's kind of like I think when they... Did Darth Vader maybe in the initial Star Wars figures run figure um, run? He was just a black figure, so but I think it would be kind of similar. And I, the the reason I was thinking about this guy for this particular figure is because of how bouncy and kind of frimbly he is, right? I think about the hunter would that would fit very well with because he's flying through the air basically and uh has to one be very maneuverable but also two the wind is going to be whipping right around him and so he's going to experience some of that and it's a lot easier to do with someone who is kind of you, know, you can kind of hear moves around a lot to begin with than um then with the the other choice where it would look it would still i think look fine but I think this will will work better. That's the the next step after that would be just to mold the head. The they they come with really funny faces, yeah, on these on these uh, on these uh, generic figures. Uh, they kind of look like bros, and this guy even has like a faux hawk. So I would be sculpting over that and then adding a hood, so that basically the the the, the face the face part would be basically sort of a a a, a solid chunk, and then. It would be a hood over it, just like I did with the um, the uh, the Mega Constructs figures. So that is something to come uh, in the next few weeks. I'm curious to see how the airbrush will work for doing a bunch of these ones in a row. So thank you very much for listening. Just a short one this week as I kind of uh, have to wait for that one to dry uh, that I just sprayed. So we'll see how that turns out. If it has um, been successful, I'll post, post some pictures there. Uh, probably with whatever updates there. So I will talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a couple of last minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website, 13thhr.wordpress.com 
or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind the scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that, that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. And it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's K-O-F-I slash 13THHR. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you can remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, that's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week.